The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but, there are, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the signs that Jesus had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Father, Lord, I pray this morning um, that you would speak through Randall, Lord, that you would um, use your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that none of Randall's words are from him, but they are all from you. God, I pray that you would allow us in the audience, um, online, listening, watching, um, to have open hearts and open ears, Lord, to hear and to learn um, from your word this morning. So God, we praise you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks, Ben. Uh, hasn't it been great having the interns and the Resonate students here? Let's just give those guys a hand. It's been awesome having them. We're thankful to have them here for the summer. And, uh, you know, for us as a church, our vision, uh, like Mary said earlier, is to be a church for our city that seeks new life in Jesus. And when you think about that, um, it really gives us a compass of, of why we're here. Uh, we're not here just to come gather on a Sunday morning, but we're here to go out into our community, into our city, and love our city um, right where they're at. And so uh, I just want to highlight a couple of the events that are coming up. That that 4th of July celebration last year, uh, that was just a, a groundbreaking event for us to be in the community. And I'm telling you, they need about 80 volunteers to pull this event off. There's thousands of people that come through University City right down the street over here. And uh, if you're not your city, great opportunities. Um, I'm friends with George, who's overseeing the, the 4th of July celebration. Great group of people over there. And so uh, please get jump, you know, tagged in like, okay, this is where I want to serve for the 4th of July celebration. And then also um, that City Kids Sports Camp. This is the first time we're doing this. Um, and so there, you know, I was walking in our uh, uh, my son's school um, and just thinking like, as I'm w looking at the prices for summer camps, 
It's extraordinary, isn't it? Like if you've got kids and you're trying to sign up, not one, two, three kids for a summer camp, you got three, four hundred dollars per kid. Uh, we want to put on a free sports camp for kids in our area. And so if you know some kids, some parents that they don't have the resources to get their kids plugged into a sports camp, bring them here. Um, I already talked to one of my friends um, at the Precy Speed School. He owns the Precy Speed School. Anthony works at the Precy Speed School. Um, they're pros, man, and, and they're going to be there running this camp. And so we're excited about what's happening here, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. But really, that that's because of our vision to be a church for our city. We're not for ourselves. We're here for our city. So I just wanted to say that up front uh, before I started today. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be continuing in the book of John today. And so we're in John chapter 6. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can, you can be there. And we're going to be going through verses 1 through 15. And right now we've been in this series, uh, We Believe. And there are specific things that we believe as Christians um, that are, are just right here in the scriptures that, that are pulled out from this text today. And, and the one in particular that we believe is um, in God's power, his power. Right? When we look at Jesus and we look at this story here, what happens is there are loaves and, and, and there are fish and, and Jesus fills, uh, feeds a multitude of people with very little. It, it was an amazing miracle that happens here. And really, this is only something that God could have done. It's through his power, his ability. And today, some of us might come in skeptical about God's power in our lives. Like, what, what can God really do in my life? What does he have the power to do in my life? And uh, so the question that we come in asking is, uh, what do you believe about God's power for you? Do you believe that God has the power to do miraculous things in your life? Things that were impossible on your own strength, but possible through God's strength. See, if we're honest, many of us will feel at times powerless. Uh, certain situations arise and we realize that we don't have the power to control the outcome of what's about to happen. And let's be honest, it's frightening, right? Uh, for me, uh, I have been in many situations and I have realized how powerless I am to control or change a particular situation I'm in. And even now, uh, me and my family are in a place right now where there are decisions that we need to make, uh, important decisions, and they're outside of our control at this particular moment. You see, all of us struggle with this, and uh, we feel powerless. But what does God encourage us to do? You, you know, right now, I, I've never been so dependent in my life on God's power than these last two years. These last two years, we started Grace City Church. Uh, really, we, we've been doing services since last October, and just gathering on a weekly basis. And I remember when I had to come to this conclusion of this is completely out of my control. I, I, there's things that I can do, but there's things I can't do. Right. And so knowing that that's a, a, a thing in my life right now that is very real and very relevant. I preach on it today. In 2014, the University of Cambridge uh, did a study on the effects of feeling powerless in your life. And a researcher, Yoon Hee Lee, said 
Although many psychological studies have been conducted on power, not much was known about how power influences actual perceptual experiences in everyday life. And so according to Lee, they found that powerless individuals live in a constant state of uncertainty. When you have those moments where you feel very uncertain, you don't know which way to go, where do you turn? What do you do? That's what today's text is about. It's about people who are in a powerless situation, not knowing what to do next. And today we find people who are struggling with uncertainty. And in this text today, Jesus invites them into a certainty only found in God. There is a certainty about this. He ushers them in and he ushers us in today into his strength. He says, I have strength that I want to offer you that you might not be tapping into right now. It's Ephesians 6.10 when it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Do you see what the focus is here? See, a lot of the times what we do is we put the focus on ourselves. Do I have the power? Do I have the ability to get through this situation? But in that text right there, it says, this isn't about you or me. This is about him. God is saying, be strong in me. Be strong in my strength, in my might. See, what we know is we're very limited. But God says, come, I will invite you into the unlimited power that I possess. See, it is in our powerlessness that the power of God breaks through. It breaks through. So how do you receive this type of power? That's what we're going to study today in John chapter 6. Uh, just to give you some background on what's happening here, um, outside of Jesus' resurrection, this is the only miracle recorded by all four gospel writers. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John have a version of this particular story, the feeding of the 5,000 in those gospels. Now, the question is, okay, well, they're all in all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why would this particular miracle be so important? This miracle is one of Jesus' most spectacular miracles to the point where D.A. Carson believes that upwards of 20,000 people were fed that day. Now what we see are 5,000, but those are counted as 5,000 men. And so there were women, there were children, there were people that were there that would not have been counted, and upwards of 20,000 people could have been at this particular feeding that Jesus does, this miracle. And it happened during the Passover feast. Now, the Passover feast was like uh, their 4th of July celebration. It was a national celebration, and Jesus chose this particular time to clearly announce himself as Messiah. He's inviting people to come to him and saying, I'm the Savior, I'm the one that can, to, can answer the issues that you have. Jesus is revealing his power to take the weak and make it strong. To take the little and make it abundant. To take the impossible and make it possible. See, we find that there is nothing impossible with God. God says it himself. 
And so what do we learn in this text today about God's power? There are three principles in this text about his power, and I'm going to give you all three up front if you're taking notes today. The first one is this. God's power works through the powerless. The second is God's power is revealed through Jesus. And the third point is God's power is more than enough. God's power works through the powerless. God's power is revealed through Jesus. And God's power is more than enough. And so our first point, God's power works through the powerless. Look at verses 5 through 9. And so Jesus, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that the large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Look at verse 6 though. This is funny. He said, he said this to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a little boy where, uh, here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? You, you think about this verse here. Look, look at... Look at verse 7. In verse 7, uh, Philip says, uh, you know, where, where are we going to buy bread for so many people? Uh, and you think about it, in verse 7, he says, 200 denarii worth of bread. Now, during that time, that would have been eight months' wages. If we had eight months' wages, we would not be able to feed all of the people that are here at this particular moment. I want you to think of stadium filled with people just to give them a little bit of food. How much of our income would we have to, to provide to be able to feed all of those people? Right, what, what Philip is saying here is there is an impossibility and it's ludicrous. D.A. Carson says this tiny meal was ludicrously inadequate to the need. John mentions it to heighten the miracle. What you and I have to understand here is there is a powerlessness for the people that are a part of this miracle. Like Philip's trying to think through in his mind, like logically, how are we going to be able to do this? And Jesus invites him in and says, here, come, come just think about this for a minute. Philip, I want you to see this. I want you to think on this. And Philip's conclusion is, I don't have the ability to do this. None of us have the ability to do this. Right? Have you ever been in that mode before where you're just thinking through all the, the possible solutions? Like, I think this could happen, but this, this would really have to happen. And still you think this wouldn't be enough? Right? This wouldn't even be possible? That's where Philip's at. He truly is at a place of despair. Like, I, we can't figure this out. And you think about uh, verse 9. Who does... Uh, Simon Peter's brother bring to Jesus a little boy. So out of all the people that were there, out of all the 5,000 men that were there, out of all of the people that could have been there, hold on. I'm going to bring this little boy over to you real quick, Jesus. He might have an answer, but he's only got a little. And it's really an impossibility, but we're, we're going to bring him over real quick. Just now, children during that time, during Jesus' time, were seen as really worthless. Um, 
they were seen as powerless. And so in that culture, they didn't have any power. And so they really didn't matter much. They were looked down upon. But it's the child that Jesus uses for the greatest miracle. You, you see, studies that have been done, people who done research on people who feel powerless, a lot of the illustration, the thing that they think in their mind is this. They think of themselves as childlike. They think of themselves as very insignificant, powerless. I can't do anything. And so that's the visual that comes into their mind. And Jesus takes reality and says, I'm going to take this little boy, the one who's looked upon in culture as powerless, and I'm going to do a great miracle. See, all of this was orchestrated by Jesus. And in verse 9, what we see is that the, the, the type of bread that was brought to Jesus was barley loaves. Now, we don't find that out in any of the other Gospels, but in particular, John points out that it's barley loaves that are used for this miracle. Now, that might not mean much to us, but if we start to do some research and some study, what we find is that barley is a lesser bread than any other kind of bread. And it was a, a lower uh, gluten content, low extraction rate, less tasty, more indigestible, just wasn't that great of a, a grain. Uh, barley was the grain of choice for animals more than people. And so what we find is that these people here are very poor. And they bring this to Jesus. And they say, what can you do with this, Jesus? God's power works through the powerless. We have to see the weakness in this text to understand the greatness of God's power. And so how does that flow? Well, the second point is God's power is revealed through Jesus. Look at verse 11. Uh, verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. Um, Jesus is the one who takes the loaves. Jesus is the one who takes the fish. It's in Jesus' hands that these things are placed. Jesus is the only one who can bring the life out of the dirt. He's the only one who can do a miracle out of nothing. He's the only one who can make a feast out of a famine. Jesus took the loaves. And so as they took these loaves, they placed it in Jesus' hands. He took them. And don't you think for a little boy who, this was probably his lunch, it's a little bit intimidating, right? Hold on. So this guy, Jesus, is going to take my lunch now. I got to give that over. That, everybody doesn't have food, but now I'm not going to have food. There's a sacrifice that had to be made on this little boy's part to be able to say, okay, Jesus, take these loaves. And so Jesus just takes it from his hands, and, and here's what Jesus does. It says, he, uh, he gave thanks. Now, what we see, what, a lot in our culture right now even, you know, we, we say, well, uh, thank God for the food, you know, so we, we, we thank God for the food. But what Jesus is doing here is different. He's not thanking God or blessing the food. He's He's just saying, God, I just want to bless you. I don't want to, like, bless this meal. I want to bless you. I want to honor you, God. I want to give thanks to you. 
Right? So he's doing something different here. And again, it's just not like, okay, glad we have bread in front of us now. Thanks, God. But he's saying, no, God, thank you. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for being the provider. Thank you for being powerful. Thank you. The focus is on God more than the bread and the fish. And what Jesus does is he distributes it. And so we find in uh, the Gospel of Mark, what he does is he, he breaks them into groups, into sections, right? So they've got 150-person sections, and, and Jesus breaks them up, and he distributes it. And, and I think just a small point to take away from that is, like, when, when you take things and you put, put them in God's hands, what God does with that is he starts to divvy it up the way that he decides to divvy it up. Right? I'm turning over control to you, God. I'm putting it in your hands, God. What that means is God is control in control of how that works out. Okay, so just something to think about as we're thinking about how Jesus works and how things are distributed through his power. But here's the deal. God's power flows through Jesus on his timing in his way. And I don't know if that's exactly the way that the little boy or even the disciples would have said, Jesus, this is how you need to do it. They probably had some ideas in their mind, like, Jesus, this is, maybe this is how you should try and do this. But this only works when you place it completely in his hands. His power flows through his timing, his way. And what we find is the third point. God's power is more than enough. Look at the second part of uh, verse 11. It says, So also the fish, as much as they wanted. So Jesus starts to distribute in, in the disciples, and he starts to pass it through them, and it's distributed through him. He is the source of this. But what we find is they had more than they needed. There was more than enough. They had as much as they wanted. This goes against the doubts of Andrew in verse 7. Right? So for us logical people, this works against our logic. I mean, I, I thought this is how it was supposed to be, God. I thought this is the only way it was going to work out. And if I had this, then this is how it would work out in my life. Now, when you place it in God's hands, you say, God, you're in control of this. I'm not. What he does is, Something miraculous that goes against our doubts. Because I'll be honest. I mean, I think about even how my children work, right? They, they work in a way where they think they know. Like, this is how it's going to work out. And they have in their mind, like, this is what is supposed to happen. And it's funny because, like, on the back end, when I enlighten them on what's really supposed to happen, like how it was going to work out, they're like, oh, well, that makes sense. But in the process of processing it through in their mind, it just doesn't make sense, right? But it's like mommy and daddy kind of know a little bit more and, and we, we're going to figure this out for you. See, there's a God who knows a lot more than we do. There's a God who know, has more power than, than we do. And when we place it in his hands. He's saying, okay, trust me with it and I'm going to do something much more than you could have expected. See, because verse 12 says that they had eaten to their fill and that they, the disciples were to gather up leftover fragments. 
Now, this, if you were to look at this, this goes against what we see in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, they had manna. And this is really just a showing of how Jesus is greater than Moses. Right, so we try to make Moses the hero in the Bible, like Moses, Moses, Moses. That's what they did in the, you know, the, the Pharisees did. They try to make him the hero. But what we find is that Jesus is greater than Moses. And so Jesus more abundantly provides what the people need. Now with the manna in the Old Testament, they only got what they needed for that day. They only got that. It's like, okay, that's all you get for today. You got to trust me. Right, but what we find is that Jesus says, no, I'm going to lavishly give you more than you could have ever believed. God gives more than they needed, but nothing is wasted. Do you see that as they're going around? They're gathering up all the pieces and it says 12 baskets were there. This is a sign of the, that Jesus is able to provide more than enough for the people of Israel, people of this time. He's more able to, to, to do that. And there was more left over at the end than at the beginning. God offers extravagant grace. Right, like, here, here's, here's grace. Grace is receiving what you did not earn. It is receiving something that we didn't work for. And, and we see it all through Scripture. But in Jesus, it says that he gives grace upon grace. So we find is Jesus is, is more graceful than anyone you'll ever meet in your life. And, and this grace was offered for all the people that were here. Right? They didn't work their way up and earn their, their wages to get this bread. That is the difference of the Christian message from every other religion in the world. I was watching this past week um, part of the funeral from Muhammad Ali. And I was listening to his... Uh, his wife, uh, widow, uh, talk about Muhammad Ali. And one of the things that stuck out to me that she said was, she said, Muhammad would wake up every day and he would say, I really want to go to heaven. And so that means there's a lot more good things that I need to do to get there. Do you realize that that's not the gospel? That's not the message of Christianity? The message of Christianity is that you and I receive the good work that Jesus did for us and we don't have to earn anything. See, I I didn't earn my way into heaven and these people did not earn their way into this bountiful feast. They didn't earn their way into that. But it was freely offered through Jesus. See, that's the gospel. That's grace. Receiving what we did not earn. It's extravagant. When you are in desperate situations, most of the time, the last thing people will offer you is extravagant grace, right? I mean, for me, I, I know that in my life and even in my own mind, I have extra, extravagant amounts of judgment upon myself, regret. I have extravagant amounts of feeling like, why didn't I do this or that? 
or people will keep it on you and say, well, why didn't you do it this way? Why didn't you do it that way? You should have done it that way. You should have earned it, right? But what the gospel is, what Jesus offers is grace. See, God is different from people. God is different from anyone you'd ever meet. And we see this through Jesus. God's power is more than enough. It's the power that only he can give that will keep you going every day. There will be moments where you just want to give up. And I'm sure in this moment there are people who wanted to give up and wanted to give up following Jesus because they didn't have anything to eat. But Jesus met their very tangible needs in that moment. See, when Jesus looks at us, he loves us right where we're at. And we need his grace. And it is more than enough. It will be more than enough. Some takeaways today. How do we receive this type of power in our lives? How do we make this practical into our lives? Well, the first point is this. Know your need. Know your need. Uh, many of us have watched in today. We said, well, I don't really need that. But as we start to think on our powerlessness and moments that come up and moments of despair, we think, you know what? I probably do need that. And so just know your need. That's the simple thing. Like there are people that are in this crowd that knew that they needed something to eat. And uh, this is important. In verse 6, the disciples were led to despair. They were led to despair. Who did it? Jesus did. He led them purpose, purposefully to despair because they had to know that they couldn't do it. Right? The message of the gospel first starts with, like, the hard news. Like, I can't do it. I got to know my need. I got to know that, that I need something more in my life than what I have right now. See, until you know that you're powerless, you will never truly experience his power. Think about this for a minute. What's the first rule of any 12-step program? Uh, the first step is you are powerless to overcome your addiction. You are powerless to overcome your problem. Right? That's, that's where any 12-step program begins. But it doesn't end there. But it starts there. I, I was hanging out with uh, my friends over at Teen Challenge uh, a few weeks ago. Me and Billy went over there uh, with uh, John and Devin, our interns, and, and we went over there and we were walking through the facility. And what we're finding is there were people there that were on some, they, they had major addictions, major addictions. And as we were walking through, uh, Herlindo, who is uh, the overseer of Teen Challenge, and now this particular Teen Challenge, uh, men from 18 to whatever age can come there. But they had about 50 men at that particular moment. So they can house those guys. They bring them in. And, and he said, he said, all these guys that you see here, Randall, he said, these are guys who've been through every program, everything. They, this, they said Teen Challenge is their last resort. They've been out on the streets. Nobody, nobody would take them in. They burned every bridge with their family. It's done for these guys. This is their last shot here at Teen Challenge. And what I felt and what I saw there was the power of God. As I was walking through halls and there are guys who are memorizing scripture, there are guys who are, for the first time in their life, have some type of order and some type of like schedule and they're, and they're working and they're, they're, they're making progress in their life. I mean, I could feel it there. And I looked at her, I said, 
I said, what, what, what is it that, that brought you guys here? What is it, Mike, that brought you here? He said, we were a part of Teen Challenge 25 years ago. We know the power of God that's in this place. We know what God can do in our lives. We believe it. See, th- this isn't, th- that was not a game for people. It was real life. And everybody had gotten to the point where they said, there's no way that these guys could ever have transformation. But it was happening. See, maybe you've gotten a good start in life. But at some point you realize that you don't have the power to manage your marriage, your kids, your work, your emotions, your thought life. At some point, you will feel powerless over those things. Over your situations in life. See, everything can change in a moment. But know that Jesus doesn't leave us there. He saves us. God's power takes root in the places where owning our powerlessness is embraced. Let me say that again. God's power takes root in the places in our lives where owning our powerlessness is embraced. You want to experience the power of God? Embrace that you can't do it. The second takeaway is this. Think deeply on his power. We need to think deeply on what he can do in our lives. Isaiah says this in Isaiah 40, verse 26. He says, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out our, their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. When he's talking about looking at creation, he's talking about looking at the stars. Right? Do you know and do you realize that God's power is all around us? It's on display. We live in San Diego. Go, go to the cliffs, go to the shore, go to any of these places and see just for a minute the power of his hands. And if there is a God who has created all of these things, think deeply on his power to be able to come through in your life. In uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, there was a discussion between this little girl Lucy, who is the youngest, and really seen as the powerless one, and Aslan, who is the great lion and the Christ figure. And Lucy is, is looking at Aslan, and here's what she says. She says, Aslan, you're bigger from the last time she saw him. And what Aslan says to her is this. He says, that is because you are older, little one. And she says, well, not because you are bigger. He says, I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. The more you think on God, the more you live life with God. Right? We start out with a very small view of God. Oh, here's what he can do. Here's what he can't do. But as you start to think on his power, on his might, as you start to grow in him year after year after year, what you're going to find is that he becomes bigger in your life. And you're like, whoa, God, I, I didn't know you were that big. 
I didn't know you were that capable to come through in that type of situation. I would encourage you this week, go, go on a hike, go to the ocean, look at the stars. Take a minute just to soak it in for a second. They say, how did this all get here? Think deeply on his power. Look at creation until the power of God works deeply into your heart. The third takeaway is this. This is a hard one. Hand over your fish and loaves. Hand over your fish and loaves. Uh, God's power flows through obedient uh, steps of faith. Uh, Jesus took the boy's lunch. That was scary for him. This little boy uh, lost everything he had. Right? And so he's, he's got this and he hands it over to Jesus. He lost everything he had and Jesus did a miracle with it that we are still talking about today. We're still talking about this miracle right now. See, this is treating God as the powerful God he is. My question to you this morning is this. I, I don't know your particular situation. But what do you continually hold on to that is stressing you out and saying, oh, this, this, I, I need to hold tightly onto this. It's probably the thing that you think about a lot when you have free time. Your mind goes straight to that thing. And so what I would encourage you to do is prayerfully ask God to take that from you. Say, God, I, I am holding tightly onto this. Please, I, I want your power in my life. I want you to work. Please, I'm handing this over to you. See, a lot of us ask, well, why don't I see amazing miracles in my life? God, why, why didn't you do this miraculous thing? Maybe it's because we were still holding tightly onto those fishes and loaves. So tightly that we weren't ready for the power of God to work. So hand it over to him. See what he does with it. And the fourth point, this is important. See the depth of his power. Now, we need to, to realize this. His power ultimately is not meant to change our circumstances. It's meant to change our hearts. Just that, that we're here today and, and, you know, that I believe that, that even I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I believe that's a miracle. That's a power of God thing. If it wasn't for God and, and Him working in my life, I, I, I just wouldn't be here. Right? I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so, again, that, that's just, I don't know. That, my parents gave me the freedom to make that choice. But that I'm here today is a miracle. And so, His power is ultimately meant to change our hearts not just what we're going through. See, here's the deal. After this miracle, like, feeds 5,000. What happens next? They, well, they try to make him king, but really, they, they just got a free meal. That's it. They go, they go back to life, right? Like everything's back to, to normal. I just had this great experience. This was awesome. But uh, what's next? And see, what they were looking for next was the next miracle rather than the miracle of their heart changing and them coming to know Jesus. That's who he was, not who they wanted him to be. They wanted him to be a magician more than they did 
want him to be their savior. And I think this is an amazing uh, quote, but this is from uh, Elizabeth Elliot. She says, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. See, a lot of the times we dream and we think, well, God, your power needs to bring me out of this into a new circumstance rather than God, your power, please allow it to change my heart in the process and make me a different person. Make me more like Jesus. See, what she says is the power, the secret is Christ in me. That God loves me in all my messed up ways. That God loves me. He's in me. He's got the power for me today. God's power is working much deeper things than what we can see on the surface. And this is just a principle. God's power is never meant for our glory, only his glory. It's only his. Some of the questions we may ask are, well, why, why, don't, have, why don't I have this or that? Or where's my miracle? God, don't you have the power to do it? See, th- those are a lot of the same questions when they saw Jesus hanging on a cross. He, Jesus, don't you have the power to get off of there? But you don't know the thing I'm actually working in your life that's a lot better than me just jumping off the cross doing you know, another magic trick. Like, oh yeah, look, I'm off the cross. Like, no, I'm hanging there because your sin needs to be paid for. See, and what, what, what Jesus does is he works on the sin that's in our life that's much deeper. And that's the power of change. He's changing our hearts. Timothy Keller says, uh, Jesus says, uh, if you're willing to humble yourself, you're willing to say that what I'm doing is uh, for you, if you're willing not to question me, but to trust me, wait till you see the power, the radiance, the character, the patience, the wisdom that will grow in your life. You will be a transformed person. People are like, wow, I, I never thought that was possible for you. You know, people seem like, I didn't think that was possible for you, Randall. Like, Thank you. Thanks for believing me. I didn't believe in myself. Right? God wants to do something deeper. At the end of uh, Prince Caspian, Aslan, and, uh, you know, the, the whole book story, people were questioning Lucy, like, do you see him? Like, you think you see him? I don't think you see him. Aslan's not here. He's not there. And, uh, what happens is uh, at the end, there's this huge battle and everybody's trying to do things on their power, on their strength. They're trying to fight on their power and strength. And uh, Lucy stands on the shore as she looks over as this huge army's coming at her. And then Aslan comes from behind and does this huge roar. And as he roars, he wipes out the whole army. Right, that, that, that's the power that overcomes the obstacles that are coming at us in life. The gospel is this. I'm just one beggar telling another beggar where the bread is. That's what it is. I'm a beggar. We're beggars. We need beggars. We got beggars today. People that feel powerless today. Let me tell you where the bread is. It's Jesus Christ. It is Jesus. That is the gospel today. The power of God is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. If you're willing to come to him 
He will receive you right where you're at. And his power is enough to change your life no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done. Will you receive him? Will you embrace him? Because that's the question at the end of verse 15. And that's why he left. Because nobody wanted to receive him for who he was. And he won't put up with anything less. We come to him, we embrace him as the powerful God he is. And so it's an invitation to us today. Not to lift him up as another person who could just do a miracle in our life and, and work all these things so that we can be live a better life. No. He was lifted up on a cross and took our pain and our shame on himself so that we could truly experience the power of God, a transformed life. Let's pray. Uh, Father, please give us the strength, give us the power we need for today, whatever we're going through in life right now. God, we can't do it. It's very clear. And so help us to come to Jesus the only one who can overcome whatever is going on in our personal lives, whatever is going on in our hearts. Give us the strength to know the secret, Christ in me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.